You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Mm. You look terrible. I want you to eat. I want you to rest well, and a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Is it really? The family that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Don Sharp. I'm Zachary. And I'm Mitch the Consigliere. And tonight, we're going to the mattresses and asking, is Godfather Part 3 an offer we can refuse? Zach? What? Why don't you give us the synopsis for the Godfather trilogy? Corleones are at it again. Those rascals. So getting us started here, part one and part two of the Godfather trilogy are considered two of the greatest movies of all time. Which do you prefer and why? I'll say for me, it's one. And I think what it boils down to is for me, one is the more memorable movie, which sounds a little pedestrian to say like the most stuff happens in that movie. But I think I like the characters a little bit more in one. Yeah. I think the story is a little bit tighter in one. I think that all the the big memorable moments and all the big character beats, Brando, all of that stuff is in the first movie. So I think that that one's a little more entertaining, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But that's the one that I, I gravitate towards. Yeah, I'm with you, Zach. Part one is my favorite, and it's solely because of Vito Corleone and... Marlon Brando. Mm. The shot of him in his study during the wedding is maybe the most iconic shot in all of film. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to make a statement like that. That's a huge claim, but it was really hard for me. It's a little bit of a limb for me because I don't even know what shot you're referring to and I just watched the movie. Like him holding the cat? In the beginning of the movie, sitting behind the desk... That that shot is burned. Even if you have never seen the movie, you know what that looks like. Sure, sure. You're making me second guess it right now, Mitch. The, the look on your face, but I, I wasn't I, I still aware feel like, personally. I still but feel like I'm that's not an accurate statement, guy. You know, I'm an outlier in this whole like thing. So yeah, I I wasn't aware I, of it. I get that. I I think that Don Vito's character is such like a huge cultural icon. Yeah. Even if you're not familiar with the scene with him in his study, we only see Don Vito at his full strength for like a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, he spends most of his time in like a hospital bed and, you know, just like as a weak version of himself. And this is obviously Michael's trilogy, but honestly, Don Vito will always be the godfather to me because of that opening scene. I mean, that's all it took for me. Well, another thing about the opening scene is uh, Francis Ford Coppola. I was watching a thing where he was talking about directing and he said, you know, actors like props, actors like to hold stuff. So he would usually just kind of like give, you know, an actor something to hold or he had a prop table 
table or they could grab something. And the cat that he's petting was just a studio cat. They did one take. It wasn't quite there. So the second take, they put the cat in Brando's lap and then all of a sudden, boom. And then that's the take that they used. It's brilliant. I would agree yeah. with what you're saying, Brandon. Like a lot of the things I was familiar with before having watched the movie are things that Brando does in the first one. It's him saying, I'm going to make an offer I can't refuse. It's those kind of beats. So I do think that they're present in one. I think it's just like the classic, the original versus the sequel debate, though, for me. Like mm -hmm. the first one, you've got a completely enclosed story. And two is as is, is well. I think it's it's a self-contained story, but two right. is doing that parallel structure where you're going forward and backward, similar to like Return of the King, where we're getting Gollum slash Smeagol's story. Uh, so yeah. if you're moved by getting the prequel kind of vibe, which I was, I found that to be some of the most impactful stuff in the trilogy, then you might gravitate more towards two, I feel like. Right. And I feel like as an accompaniment for one, I think one and two together, it's just absolutely it's incredible. Like, yeah, I, I remember the first time I watched one, you know, even though it's a very long movie, the minute that it was over, I was like, I want to watch two. Like, I'm I'm yep. ready to see more of this. I'm ready to spend more time yep. with these characters and to and to see what happens next. And again, I think that they're both very different. The second one being more psychological. But I just love kind of the the stark contrasts. You get Michael's full arc with both of them. The first time you see Michael, he's in his uniform and he's surrounded by his family at the wedding and he's happy just being the guy who doesn't maybe 100% fit in. And then at the end of Godfather Part 2, he's sitting alone in his father's house with seemingly everything he ever wanted, but he's all alone. You know, like that's yeah. that's yeah. the thing I love is having both of them together. Well, yeah, I mean, mm. you, you frame like the second one as like a psychological drama. I would also frame it as like a tragedy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, where the first one's a family epic. I was yeah. really intrigued because I was watching the first one, again, first time ever, and it starts off with the shot of the funeral guy, Benzini, yeah. I think. I don't know. I think so. I thought that was a godfather because <laughs> I just haven't seen it. And it pans back and then you'd see, oh, this is actually Marlon Brando's story. And yeah. then later in the movie, you're like, oh, actually, this is Al Pacino's story, isn't it? Right. This is Michael's trilogy. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So it's a it's a cool kind of progressive thing where I think I feel like two is I don't know. Actually, I take that back. I was going to say it's more Michael's story, but you do get Vito's backstory as well. So I don't know. You it's do. Just, yeah. You're, you're not dealing with all those tertiary characters like Sonny's gone. Fredo right. is, right. is a footnote in Michael's story now. Like it is very much about those two central characters and in, in two. Two is a little bit of a snoozer for me. I think it's a beautiful movie. Like you can tell the quality's immaculate in, in the second one also. I get a little lost in some of the back and forth. I felt like just when I was getting comfortable with one timeline, they switched to the other timeline. And I think they're both good stories and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great movie. I feel like though one is riveting. Yes, I was glued yes. to the television Two, I would did a little meandering and I don't think the fact that it's three hours and 20 minutes helps it at all. Somewhere in the middle there. It's a great movie. It's a little long. It's a, you know, a little sleepy for me. One is a perfect film in my mind. Well, well, sure. I was telling you both before I started watching it. I didn't even 
realize like it's a two disker, like it's a two disc mm-hmm. DVD thing. <laughs> right. And yeah. there's an intermission. I was like, man, this is, I feel like I'm watching Titanic on VHS right now. This is nuts. And I, I did need to get a sandwich in the middle <laughs> too. So, yeah. well, I mean, back to welcome to, <laughs> is it really the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies? I mean, I think that that's, that that is a thought that you're not allowed to say that Godfather Part Two is a little sleepy. Although I think most people feel that way. Yeah. I feel like that's mm-hmm. become yeah. like a thing. Like, oh, you can't, you cannot say one bad right. thing about this movie. And you know, like it's a little, it's a little slow. Like I saw this one in the theaters, and I was just kind of like, mm, I kind of wish I could, you know, get up and go get a snack right now. And not to say that there's anything in the movie that I think is is bad or that I would cut out. Just it's very slow. And it's very long. So mm-hmm. it is one that if you're going to if you're going to watch it, you really got to buckle down and you really have to like it's not one you can just pop in. You have to make it a point of I am going to watch The Godfather Part Two today. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. like with one. I feel like it's so twisty and fast paced. It's like, whoa, Hagen's kidnapped now. Whoa, he's going to start killing people. It's much more fast paced, like a roller coaster where two uh, we've established the characters and it's a deep dive in now. Uh, so yeah. I think I'm more yeah. moved by two. I sure. think so I gravitate and I think I like it more. But yeah, it's not as entertaining maybe or, you know, it's not as fun to watch. Right. And, and you know I mean, I, I like yeah. boring movies. That's yeah. My yeah. Well, preference. <laughs> well, I will say, though, like two, I think that and the ending of Godfather one. Fantastic. One of the best endings, you know, in any movie. But I think the ending in Godfather part two is perfection where it's it's him with his family and it's the the family's all talking and hanging out and then it's just that shot of him all alone like it's one of the most striking and like haunting endings to a movie that i've ever seen Well, Godfather Parts 1 and 2 are some of the most acclaimed films of all time. What are the greatest strengths of these films? I'm going to give you the lame cop-out answer, but it's just the truth. It's everything about these first two movies. Like, the cast, the acting, the writing, the directing, the editing, the music, every single thing in this movie (laughs) is so good. It fires on all cylinders, which we say all the time, but like, everything just comes together perfectly. So, you can't just point to any one thing in Godfather's Part 1 or 2 and say, that's it. It's everything 
works so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I was saying before, part one is is riveting. Yes. I mean, watching part one for the first time is what I think it would feel like to be in the actual mafia. You never know what's going to happen next. Who's working for who? Who's going to betray you? Who wants to kill you? Tom Hagen flies to Hollywood and has what seems to be a fairly benign <laughs> conversation <laughs> with a movie director. It doesn't go Tom's way. And the man wakes up with a severed horse head in his bed. And it's just like, at that moment, you're like, who are these people? Yeah, that's, that's the, the scariest thing, thing that's ever going? happened to me while watching a movie. <laughs> what <laughs> is going on? Well, Mitch even brought up, who did that? Did Tom do that? And we're like, we don't know. We don't know who they're connected with. They're the scariest you don't know. people. Do they have don't a know? horse guy? And that was my question. Tom's the lawyer. Was he out in the, the stable with a hacksaw? Like, <laughs> Probably not. I, he wouldn't want to get his hands dirty in case he gets caught. He has to have plausible oh, deniability in all this. You, you know, you say like you're on edge because who's gonna get me who who do i have to get like i feel like the movies are very much about deception yeah zach and i we very much love survivor i'm like oh if if i study this i would get much better at survivor i was actually really surprised these movies aren't that violent you know minus the horse head and a few other scenes that stand out like it's more (laughs) dudes having conversations and and reading each other's psychologies and like who's gonna get me I found that to be a really fascinating like portrayal of what true power is. It's power is perception and power is being the smartest guy in the room. You know, something that strikes me about mafia movies, if you've ever seen Goodfellas or, you know, watch the Sopranos at all, the the deception thread runs through all of the mafia releases. If you're familiar with Goodfellas (laughs) at all, uh, there's a scene where Joe Pesci thinks he's becoming a made man and there's like a little small ceremony. And during that, he's so excited, Mm -hmm. you know, and during that ceremony, he gets popped in the back of the head. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I apologize for the spoilers, but like (laughs) that is one way I would sum up a mafia movie is just you do not know who's in bad with who, who's got bad blood, who is like a a conversation that you think was benign and inconsequential was actually you, you know, insulted this man and cursed his family. And and now he's having you killed. Like it's just you you don't know how people took different. I don't know. It's just it is such a like an, an original Style to me. I find that very accessible too, because we all deceive every day, right? But yeah. it's just yeah. taken to I a don't. different height of stakes where, okay, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the difference between life and death, right? Like for these guys, if they're wrong, they're dead. And I was really struck in two when he goes to visit Roth. No word exchanged between the two was true. Like they didn't mean any of what they were saying to each other. And I'm like, yeah. what a really fascinating scene that these two actors had to portray of like, we don't mean this, you know, but we're putting on a show to try to get each other to trust each other. I'll say, and Brandon, help me with his name. Who's the muscle for the Corleones in the first one? The guy who gets choked out. Yeah, Luca Brasi. When he was showing up to deal with those guys, I was just like, piece of cake. Boom. And then when they start choking him out, I had a minute of like watching it the first time thinking, this isn't how this is supposed to go. Right. Think about what happened. Don Vito was asked if he'd like to join into a lucrative opportunity. That was it. Right. Would you like to join us in the drug trade? No, I would not like to join you in the drug trade. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> but this is this is not our cup of tea. We we would not like to be involved in that. Right. Okay. 
Luca Brasi's getting taken out. Like all this stuff's happening now. Uh, Don Vito gets shot in the Italian market. That's that's what happens because of this conversation. You know, yeah, like it's yeah. just it's so ex- we everyone asking. like to the extremes. They're just straight yeah. to the extremes. Yeah. Well, that idea of respect is so prevalent too. Even yes, in the third and I think one, that's, it's like that's the, big... the fact that you wouldn't cut me in on your thing. That, yeah. That has right. nothing to do with any of them. Mm-hmm. Right? right. It's a mm-hmm. sign of disrespect. So we're gonna kill you. Respect what he's done. The new overthrows the old. It's natural. How can you do business with this guy? I'm a businessman. First, foremost, I want no further conflict with him. You tell him from me that he can live or he can die. Vincent, will you shut up? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You know what strikes me the most about? this scene is Michael's temper gets the better of him, which is something we see very, very mm-hmm. we, something that we see very rarely, but something we see often with Sonny, his, his older brother uh-huh. in the first movie. And just the, the stark contrast between the refined and the under control version, you know, Michael Corleone and then the hothead Sonny Corleone. Does this make you think of in the first movie, the scene where, Michael says, I'm going to kill the two. It very much reminded me of the the contrast between the two scenes where right. Sonny's flying off the handle. Tom Hagen is trying to calm him down, saying this is business. And it's Michael's cool, calm, snake-like, very quiet demeanor as the camera pans in on him. And you're like, oh, this is the most dangerous person in the movie. Now I understand. Right. Because to him... He actually believes what a lot of characters, I think, in the franchise say, which is... It's not personal, it's business. Right. And I'll kill. And it's funny because in the scene, it's framed as like, this is him being emotional and getting into the game uh, for emotional reasons because he got popped. And that's not what it is at all. It's him making a calculated decision of, I want to be involved and here's how I can... I can yeah. do this. That's right. I'm capable. Not so in the third movie. He's gone full sunny. <laughs> well, we'll see... I didn't put that much stock into it. I just thought it was a little bit, at this point, Pacino liked to yell. And they were just like, let's let the man yell. <laughs> His voice sounds so much more coarse in the yes. third movie. I'm like, you've been chain smoking for 20 years, bud? So in the third movie, the direction seemed a little off with Pacino. And P- Pacino's Michael. And... In fact, the arc that Al Pacino takes the character of Michael on over the course of the three films is something I was very interested in. Part one, Michael is extremely compelling, youthful, energetic, mysterious, clearly deadly. Part two, you know, we see a refined Michael, the young Don, classy, understated, still just as deadly, if not more so. But then like part three really feels like we get an old dog with no new tricks, kind of barking at cars as they drive by. He becomes much more of a cartoon character. And he's really lost to me all of the qualities that made Michael so compelling and so deadly in the first two films. I think of the advice that Vito gives Sonny really early on, never let anyone outside of the family know what you're thinking. And I think that's something that Michael always understood. He always understood that. Say less. It's just very... Very quiet and deadly. 
Right. Well, I don't know that yeah. he literally says that to Vinny, Vincent, Vincent. He does in this movie. He in says that it, scene. In that scene. It's a callback. It's some, a callback yeah. to the first movie. It, it's something that Vito is, was known for saying. And you yeah. hear him say it to Sonny. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like he's still the same guy in three. He's just seeking forgiveness, seeking like he's so racked with guilt about what he's done. You know, he's I wrote he's not the Don anymore. He's Michael. Sure. Right. So I don't think that they've rewritten the character. I think it's this other side of his humanity because in that character, there's two sides fighting at each other, especially in the first one. It's about like this human moral guy who says, I want nothing to do with the family. And then this other person who, you know, when he's able to bluff off the guards outside the hospital and he looks down, and he sees his hands aren't shaking. Oh, this is who I actually am. Uh, those right. two natures, those two dogs fighting. Two is about him in, indulging, you know, the warrior. Three is about him trying to claw back and become human again. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets him killed because you can't be human in this world. You can't be moral. I wrote down in my notes for Godfather Part 3 because I'd never seen Godfather Part 3 because I'd always heard it was bad. So I'd watched Part 1 and 2 and I was like, well, I'm I'm just not going to waste my time because I was worried that Godfather Part 3 was going to ruin the fabric of parts one and two, like Terminator style, like sew in some things into the first two that ruin it. And it really doesn't, you know, Ford Coppola has even said that this is, you know, more of the epilogue. So mm-hmm. it doesn't ruin the movie or it doesn't ruin the franchise. That being said, though, when it opened with him writing a letter to his kids saying, like, sorry, I wasn't a better dad, I was just kind of like, hmm, I I don't Mm -hmm. know if this was worth that fantastic ending in two. I don't know if this was worth coming back for for me. I was struck by I did a little bit of cursory Googling and there was a New York Times review that said most sequels are optional. Godfather three is inevitable and thus (laughs) irresistible. Which was an interesting take because it was one of the few positive reviews in the movie. Everyone hates this movie or, you know, points out its flaws at least. But I do agree with the premise of that review saying that there's something maybe unresolved. I mean, like two is this tragic, beautiful, perfect ending. But there's, you know, I want to know what happens to the family. There's something... There's something that it feels like three needs to come back and do and say and wrap up. So I, I don't know. I I think the the problem then becomes the expectations that people well, have thinking it's right. going to be another Godfather movie. Well, so here's something that I found online. I'm going to read the quote. Coppola felt that the first two films had told the complete Corleone saga. Coppola intended part three to be an epilogue to the first two films. And in the audio commentary for part two, he stated that only a dire financial situation caused by the failure of One from the Heart, another movie, compelled him to take up Paramount's longstanding offer to make a third installment. Yeah, I mean, that's an important perspective. But I I feel like I was moved when I saw Vito in the first one transform from the dawn and then you see him eventually become like the grandpa yeah. dying yeah. in the orchard yeah. right yeah yeah and i'm like yeah. i'm waiting for that with michael how's that gonna happen sure. and that's sure. what three is three is him becoming the grandpa who dies yeah but i think though the the issue is you know and you were talking about audience expectation a little bit there is that we have such high expectations but you know i I was thinking about this like you know star wars or you know um an indiana jones or like a transformers or something like there's a, a bunch of movies but there's also like outside 
sources. You know, there's comic books, there's TV shows, there's so much that you can kind of take on when you're going to see a new, you know, Star Wars or Marvel film. There's so much kind of like outside noise that can like kind of seep in and you kind of have to reassess of like, all right, I'm here to, you know, see a movie and um, I want it to be the best, you know, whatever movie I'm going to see. And I think about a Leonard Malton quote when he said, I don't go into every movie expecting you know, the same level of quality I go in, you know, he's, I think he used 50 shades of gray as an example. He said, I go into a 50 shades of gray movie expecting that to be the best 50 shades of gray movie that it can be. So I think with Godfather, because the standard that we'd been trained to expect was excellence and cinematic perfection in a way that when you go into Godfather part three and it's just not very good, there is a level of, well, I've been trained to expect a perfect movie. So I think, you know, from day one, this movie was always going to be a disappointment. And I think that that's just what, what tends to happen with some of these big beloved films when you come back years later. Yeah. Which I think is why I respect that it is more of an epilogue and it isn't trying to recapture the glory of one and two. I, I just think that there's a misunderstanding that that was its intent. And I don't think that's what it's trying to do. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like it reminds me of the last season of game of Thrones. Was it disappointing? Sure. Is it good television? Yes. It's also good television. It's just right. not as good as, you know, the previous content. So I just I, I do want to tell people to calm down a little bit and enjoy the content you're given. Part three was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Yet this film is considered to be an embarrassment to the Godfather legacy. Is this a legitimate bad film? or just a disappointing sequel. Also, does the fact that it was made 16 years after part two have anything to do with how it was received? I was really interested in Vinny's character, and I was like, I feel like if this wasn't a Godfather film, if it was maybe from the same universe as Godfather, but didn't have the Godfather title, and we may be focused on this this Vinny character. I was like, I'd be more interested in that movie, but I feel like because it's a third movie, they want to wrap things up with Michael. So I yeah. think that as a result, like that's kind of where, even though there's some interesting stuff, it gets a little sleepy and him trying to like buy his way into heaven, the stuff with the Pope and the Vatican, that's where the movie kind of like falls apart. So I think that there are some cool ideas and a good movie in there. I just don't think that the movie executes on all those because it is so tied to being Michael's story. You know, that's an interesting perspective, him trying to buy his way into heaven. I always took that as, and maybe they're the same thing, but I always took that as him trying to finally take the family legitimate. That was like his initial promise to Kay. You know, I want to take this family legitimate. It was like five or seven years or something. And he lost, you know, he lost, he loses his family at the end of uh, end of two. And I feel like it was almost him trying to get his family back in, in some ways, you know, and get rid of all crime uh, in his life. I don't know that I do. Right. Lo I love that take on it though, Zach. That's interesting. That's, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's both. I think three yeah. is very much about like finding forgiveness and and trying to leave his past behind him. But I think legitimacy means something different in Godfather two versus what we're talking about in Godfather three. Legitimacy for Michael is his 
perception of what power is. Us moving the into legitimate businesses makes us more established because I think it's tied to like cultural assimilation. Like it's us becoming more American. We're, we're a part of the institution. Like I was struck by at the beginning of Godfather 2, you've got a senator publicly on Michael's side. Now in private, he's, he's a jerk, right? But that's the kind of legitimacy that his father never achieved. Whereas right. for Vito, power comes from respect, different things, right? So right. legitimacy in 2 is power. I think legitimacy in Godfather 3 is redemption and forgiveness. And, and again, like when we're just talking about other things in the movie, like I hate to be the one who's going to bring this up. Sofia Coppola in Godfather Part 3. A train wreck. I don't think she's quite as bad not, as the internet likes to No, 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 not even out. just, not even just her performance. Cause I think that the big, I think they take a bigger <laughs> issue than just that. Her she's kind of stale for me. Her character in the movie too. You know, like, I feel like that's a character who the incest stuff is creepy and weird. Yeah. And if you're going to yeah. go yeah. into all that, For you sure. got to you got to make it worth it. So I don't think it's I don't think it's just her her acting that, you know, gets on people's nerves. Because in these movies, we see Godfather like they do some weird messed up stuff. They talk about some, you know, sketch subject matter, but it always pays off. Whereas, you know, in this, they kind of leave a couple balls in the air at the end of the movie where you kind of go, uh, what was all? So what was the point of all that? I'm like, uh, okay. And I think that, you know, her performance is obviously a little bit subpar, but I think it's also tied in with this kind of weak characterization that we hadn't really seen in any of the other films. The only moment where I was really taken aback by like a big criticism is her accent was literally when she was shot and she goes, dad. I was like, whoa, are you supposed to be Italian <laughs> in any way? An Italian-American? Because oh the my. rest of the movie, I'm like, whatever. You're, you know, like a third generation. Like, you're, you know, going to have a different speaking voice. But I think the only a place I would push back is like, I feel like the third one is so much more about his relationship with his children. They're adults now. The, his children also represent, you know, a, a source of redemption and forgiveness. You know, I was touched by the scene where she asks him, is this foundation even real or is this a front, mm -hmm. right? Like, what is the point? And she's kind of, I like that her character is trying to figure out who her father really is, but I agree that it's not executed well. I really feel like two puts a nice period on if you choose this life, you end up alone mm -hmm. and it's like understated. It's, mm -hmm. it plays out perfectly. Three is like the ham handed exclamation point on that statement for me <laughs> yeah, sure. like I, you yeah, choose this yeah. life you end up alone and he's you know he says it to uh, Vinny at one point this is the life you've chosen you have to give up my daughter and i think this in many ways is that statement coming full circle and all of michael's attempts to become legitimate get his family back in the end and to me very ham-handed but there he is, an old man sitting alone in a courtyard, and, and when he passes away, and I, I don't know, it just doesn't play, you know, as sharply for me yeah. as some of the subtlety in the other two films. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and Sorry. and again, like you, know, I don't even, I don't even think that Godfather Part Three is a terrible movie. I don't even know if I would necessarily call it a bad movie, but I think you know, again, what you're getting at, Brandon, is two. Like it has a perfect ending and, you know, yep. I didn't, I didn't need three. And again, like when I hear that, you know, and even when they say now that three was made solely 
you know, for financial reasons, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I can see that. And, you know, am I saying that that makes the film like awful and that, you know, we should totally ignore it and throw out everything that's good and bad? Like, you know. Yeah, because to be not clear, necessarily, the purpose right. of every movie is to make right. money. You right. Know? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again, like, you know, when they initially, you know, pushed forward with Godfather Part 2, they said, OK, we have we have more story to tell. And Paramount had been offering them to do part three for years. And Coppola had said, we don't have more story. And it was just when they needed more money that they kind of went digging for more story. Now, is that, you know, does that mean that the movie's bad? No, I'm just saying you don't have that same level of, of passion behind the camera. And you can tell you don't have that same level of here's more of this story. That's that's interesting and good. It's just definitely more. Well, this would kind of be interesting to explore, right? That's, that's kind of how it feels like, well, what if we look at this? And it's like, I kind of don't want to. I feel like there's a reason why you hadn't seen the movie all this time, Zach. And, and there's, there's a reason why after I finished the first movie, I only owned that one at the time I raced out and bought the second one right away. I think one propels you into two. Yes. Two feels complete. It's also very sad. Yeah. So you, you do, you feel like. Like, I need to kind of sit with this for a minute. And it doesn't really propel you into three the same way one does to two. When I'm trying to make a point, I've noticed that sometimes I like to repeat myself. Now, I don't know if I'm trying to make sure everyone heard me or if I feel like I need a second attempt to get my phrasing right. Sometimes, yeah, I need another attempt, but mostly... It's unnecessary. The Godfather is a perfect movie. The Godfather Part 2 is another great movie with a perfect ending. To the franchise. If The Godfather Part 3 were named Mobster looks sunset years in the face and seeks to buy redemption, it wouldn't get a second glance for most people. The only reason Part 3 is remembered fondly in some circles is because it has two older brothers propping it up. Is it terrible? No. In fact, there are a lot of mobster movies that aren't as good as this one. The problem is, it shouldn't be allowed to breathe the same oxygen as part one and two, and yet, here we are. Bottom line, The Godfather Part 3, while not a bad movie, is a second attempt to end a story rendered unnecessary by the perfect way in which part two wraps up. The issue with most bad sequels is that they tend to retroactively stain the fabric of the previous films in the franchise that we love. When you look at The Godfather Part 3, this movie is through and through an epilogue, and it doesn't really change anything about the first two movies. It just wraps up the story of Michael Corleone. Now, if we're judging The Godfather Part 3 on its own merits, it's a movie that's kinda boring, a little hard to follow, but it's not awful. I had avoided this movie for years because I thought it would ruin the first two Godfathers, but after watching part three, I learned that the first two Godfather films are untouchable, and part three is The Outsider. That being said, it is harmless, but do you need to see it? Watching part three actually did nothing for me. It didn't fill me with rage, it didn't excite me in the slightest, it was just, a very middle-of-the-road movie. And when you're comparing it to two of the greatest movies ever made, I think that The Godfather Part 3 is an offer that's easy to refuse.
When Francis Ford Coppola set out to wrap up the Godfather franchise with its third installment, it's obvious to say he was adding to a story that in many ways already felt complete. In part, I think this is because The Godfather 2 functions as both a prequel and a sequel, but I also think your reaction to The Godfather 3 will probably depend on your answer to this question. Whose story are The Godfather movies telling? If your answer includes the name Vito, if you see this franchise as an epic family drama, one and two have you covered. It's the tale of gaining strength through family and being undone by those relationships. Vito prioritizes family and loses power. Michael prioritizes power and loses family. It's a perfect circle. If, however, you think these movies are really mostly about the rise and fall of Michael Corleone, then I can understand thinking there's more story to tell at the end of two. Godfather 2 ends tragically, but Michael's still the head of a crime family that's expanding and getting more powerful by the second. Isn't there further to fall? Godfather 3 is only a so-so movie, and I don't really think it works, but I think it's attempting to show Michael's strategic mind as his fatal flaw. It's giving him a similar arc to Vito's in The Godfather 1, showing the new generation coming to pry power away from the old dogs. I'm not saying I agree and think that the story needs to be told, but if you're inclined to view these movies as a vehicle to explore the psychology of Michael Corleone, I can understand why you'd want to go deeper. At the end of the day, Godfather 3 isn't the best or the worst thing I've ever seen. Does it pale in comparison to the previous two entries? Yeah, sure. Does it ruin the franchise? Not for me. But to quote The Godfather himself, if anything in life is certain, if history has taught us anything, it's that you can kill anyone. And I guess for lots of fans out there, that logic applies even to one of the greatest gangster movie franchises of all time. going to do it for our episode on the godfather trilogy thank you for joining us we would love to hear your opinion on our episode or any other movie related topic so if you haven't already hop on over to our facebook page and join the conversation we can be found at real boys podcasts don't forget subscribe on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you have a little spare time and you like what you hear we would love it if you would take a minute to rate and review our podcast we appreciate your support well, we'll be back in two weeks with our episode on the cult classic, Back to the Future. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.